Reading from 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious, or boastful, or arrogant, or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies... They will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned. Like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We talk about love frequently around here. It's our mission. Love God. Love neighbor. It comes up in the scriptures very frequently. Turns out love is in our DNA. Genesis tells us that we were made in God's image. That's not to say that we look like God, only smaller. It is to say that the most basic, purest part of who we are is like God. Made to love. God is love, John tells us. And as Jesus loved, so are we to love. It was Jesus' command to his disciples after washing their feet. As I have loved you, so you should love one another. Love is the foundation on which we stand. Which sounds nice. Like one of those inspirational posters that you're stuck staring at when you lie in the dental chair. It's nice to think about but can pass quickly from our minds and our hearts as soon as it becomes difficult to love. When kids are obedient, 
Spouses are appreciative. Friends are helpful. It's easy to love. When neighbors say despicable things about people they have never met. When a person you've gone out of your way to show kindness and help to doesn't even acknowledge it. When a dog digs up your front yard, it becomes difficult to love. Paul claims that love never ends. But then Paul didn't have to have Thanksgiving dinner with your racist uncle. Ah, but if only we could dismiss him that easily. If only we could say, Paul, your nice little poem about love is is sweet. It is inspirational. We like to read it. It is worth cross-stitching onto a pillow. But if you've been hurt like I've been hurt, Or if you've been threatened like we've been threatened. Or if you've been taken advantage of. You'd know those words about love sound as hollow as a gong without anyone to strike it. We'd like to be able to say that. We feel that way sometimes. But the thing is, Paul knew firsthand what it was like to be Wrongly imprisoned? To have his murder plotted by people of faith? To be abused for what he had come to believe? You can tell me that my little quotations about love are nice for the naive. I've never had to suffer for trying to love. But you can't tell Paul that his love talk is cute or superficial or childish. He has too many scars to be labeled as such. What Paul knew is that the only way his scars could be redeemed, the only way those who caused his scars could be redeemed, The only way the scars that he caused could be redeemed is by love. Fancy words about God won't do it. Knowing a whole bunch of stuff won't do it. Giving away a whole bunch of stuff won't do it. If those words, that knowledge, those gifts aren't born in love, aren't reflective of love, they become something quite different. Without love, words become thinly veiled threats. Without love, knowledge becomes a show of power. Without love, gifts become purchases. All corrupted versions of what could have been redemptive. With a selflessness that those who yearn for power more than they yearn for holiness will never know. Jesus knelt and washed his disciples' feet.
They protested. This sort of thing wasn't done. Not by equals, certainly not by master. When they saw what Jesus was about to do, they rightly resisted. John's Gospel doesn't say, but but you know yourself. You know how you are. You know when someone you respect is about to do some kind of service to you, how you quickly try to turn it on them. I'll do it. Let me. The Gospels don't say, but, but you can imagine then the disciples, as soon as they understood what Jesus was about to do, said, no, no, Lord, you sit, have a chair, get comfortable, someone get a towel, we'll wash your feet. Jesus didn't let them wash his feet. It was his time to serve, to love. And when he's finished, he doesn't find a way to make this an acquisition. Now you owe me. There's nothing he's looking to get out of it for himself. All he asks is that they serve another as he has served them. That they love the way he has loved. Love, he says, is how people will know you're my disciples. Now, as bars go, that's a fairly high one. There are easier things to do as Jesus' disciples than to try to love and serve in the way that he loved and served. It's a high bar, but it's not impossible. You may not have the gifts to speak in tongues, Or to heal. But you can love. You may not look like a first century Palestinian man. But you can love. You may not know how to throw a casting net. Or offer convincing words to a crowd of skeptics. But you can love. And there are two reasons that I know you can love. First, this kind of love is not about how you feel. And second, love never ends. I'll get back to those in a minute, but... I want to remind you that that when we say we're going to love, we we look for ways to do that. When I was in Spartanburg, we had a hospitality network that we were part of at that church. They were part of it long before I got there. The hospitality network is the same thing we're going to be doing with Family Promise here in a couple of weeks. It's this way that churches can try to resolve a portion of the homelessness problem by giving a stable place for people to come and spend a week. So churches line up 13 weeks of churches in a row so that there's a place for families to go week after week until they can get into something stable. And if you're imagining kind of a a scary guy from underneath a bridge somewhere, let me tell you, I never met that guy in, in the hospitality network. These persons are screened and, and 
and given lots of attention. So they arrive at the church, and, and they'll tell you, they told us pretty quickly, we were on Grandma's couch for a few months. Things couldn't continue that way. Or we had an apartment, and we were doing okay, but one of us lost a job, or there was a medical bill. It was, it was people that were educated, had backgrounds similar to ours. Some mistakes, some difficulties, whatever, and now they were sleeping in a church for a week until the next church with the goal in mind that one day they'd be back into a stable place to live. Well, Sally and I were up there one evening and we had our children with us and I guess they were fairly young. There were other children in there as well, children of the church and then children of these families. Now, a lot of times the... the Adults who are part of this network, they worked some during the day or they had been at the office for the um, hospitality network. So they got there, had dinner, and were fairly tired. We didn't always get a lot of interaction, but this one night with our children running around playing with their children, mothers sat down beside Sally and another young mother and said, Can you tell me how to parent? said, I see your children, and then I see my children, and I can tell your children have been parented, and, and mine have not, and I wasn't, so I don't know how to parent. Would you please, she said with tears in her eyes, tell me how to become. Now, Sally and that other mother didn't kneel down and wash this young woman's feet. But they loved her. And they served her. And she knew enough about God or, or, or the experience with family promise or whatever it was that she trusted that she could say something that was that revealing, that vulnerable to these young women. I'm telling you, all of that is one little glimpse into what family promise could be when we get to host in a couple of weeks. One little way that you can take the way you are blessed and I am blessed and share with some people who need another blessing. There are a lot of ways you can help. Some are are helping with meals. Some are helping during the, the early evening hours. And some are the overnight hosts, which may give you those moments, those little surprising moments where people are vulnerable enough to say, can I ask you something? If you'd like to know more about it, Dodie Phillips is here, Jim and Patsy Harris are there. Thursday evening at 6.30, they'll be here to talk about, learn about how to be a part of this important ministry. If you're wondering how to love, it's not ethereal. There's a very real way to do it. It's a way to be like Paul said, where where love is not just how you feel, it's what you do. If love is just a feeling, it could wax and wane like the moon. Walking on a beach at sunset and you come... Full of love, 
And then you go to pack your overloaded car with too much stuff and you feel something entirely different. If that's the way love is, we're in a heap of trouble. If that's the way love is, then then God looks at us and and we hope He sees the good stuff to balance out that we might see the bad stuff. And we start thinking in terms of maybe the crops are growing this year, maybe we're having a flood this year, depending on how God feels about us. If the love is a calling, something that Jesus commanded us to do as a reflection of how He loved us, how He loves us, and we don't treat others based on how we feel, what kind of mood we're in. We treat others based on who our Lord is. We do what we can to become patient and humble, kind and gracious. We do what we can to enact these ways of loving and then we trust the one who is loved to make up the rest. Paul tells us that love never ends. Knowledge, he says, that will come to an end. Tongues, prophecy, those will be unnecessary someday. You don't need a prophet speaking for God when you can speak directly to God. When you can hear directly from God. At that point, when we're fully in God's presence, in the presence of the Eternal, the Alpha and the Omega, the One without beginning or ending, that day all we will know is love. That day coming, we might as well practice now.